Thank you very much. So friends, it's quite a story. There's a lot God packs into a week. Um, this is our creation story. So this is, this is the story of the, that our ancestors in faith held through generations to tell themselves how the earth, but also why the earth came into being. Every culture has their creation story. Every culture has the, the, their in the beginning story to say, this is where we come from. This is what we're made of. This is our relationship to the world around us and the world above, beneath, below, within us. This is what we're designed for. So I'll just say quickly, I don't think we need to get bogged down in questions of, is this true or is it not? Should we believe this or should we believe in evolution? There's no need to pit this the Bible against science. I, I think science is amazing. Thank God for science. Um, this is our story of, of what we're meant for. And so one of the things I notice, and you probably heard it, is just how often God says things are good. And I think that's such a gift to start with. God calls everything good. It's, it tells me that we are made good, even though that's not very grammatical, but we are made for goodness. We are made in goodness. We are made with goodness. And it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing to have an origin story that is just such, so full, not only of, of abundance of creativity and um, plenty and how God provides for all, God provides for us, God provides for the creatures, but is so overflowing with goodness. And I think in Christianity, in carrying our story, our central story, the Easter story, which has a death right in the middle of it, I think sometimes we can lose sight of this goodness. But this is our foundation. This is the foundation that, of the faith that Jesus knew. It's the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of who we are. This, this abundance, this overflowing of goodness. Now, not only that, but we have a God who desires relationship. There's no reason in this story for God creating. But throughout the Bible, God keeps coming back to relationship. Right. So much later, when the people of Israel have spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt and God brings them out into freedom, God makes covenant with them. God says, I will be your God. You will be my people. And that I think that desire for relationship, that desire to be um, not uh, alone and distant and invulnerable, that desire to be linked, to invest God's self in us. I think we see that here. 
because God just keeps creating. Why? Because, because God wants to. And there is such imagination in this too. There's so much diversity and creativity. God, not, God keeps creating and creating and creating. So let's go through these days. Now, the first day, God says, let there be light. Ta-da, there's light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, here's one thing that I find interesting. God does not get rid of the darkness. God creates the light and separates light from dark. But God keeps the darkness around. I think this is something to hold on to. There's an American uh, Episcopal priest. Her name is Barbara Brown Taylor. She's written a really good book. It's called Learning to Walk in the Dark. I recommend it. I bet you anything, your public library will have a copy. Learning to Walk in the Dark. And what she says is that if you read through the Bible, when the Bible talks about darkness, it's, it talks about it as though it's a bad thing. But if you look closer and you read the Bible stories, all the good stuff happens in the dark. So the incarnation, Jesus growing in the womb of Mary, that's in the dark. The resurrection, Jesus rising from the grave, rising from his tomb and disappearing. That happened in the dark. The first Easter morning, the women go to the tomb while it was still dark and resurrection has happened. Jacob and his vision of the angels ascending and descending on the ladder, Jacob wrestling through the night with the angel in the dark. And then Jacob gives his name to the people. Jacob, after that wrestling, is, um, is called Israel, which means to wrestle with God. And so the, the transformative stuff, the life-changing stuff, the earth-shattering stuff, it happens in the dark. So when we read our Psalm, or when our 23rd Psalm, and we say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is good stuff that happens in that valley. And there's good stuff that comes out of that valley. No one would choose the valley if they could right? None of us would want to go there if we could avoid it. But I know that all of you have had those valleys in your lives, maybe dipping a toe in there right now. And good stuff, transformative stuff, uncomfortable but life-giving stuff comes out of there. So be not afraid of the darkness. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. Okay, so now I don't know if you've ever sat down and tried to figure out what God's actually doing here. But in the ancient worldview, what we've got is water, 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 chaos everywhere. In, um, in, in ancient Hebrew culture, water is a metaphor for chaos. Now, what God does is God doesn't make the waters go away. God just separates them. So God puts one dome on top and one dome on the bottom. So it's almost like God has created this big egg shape, this big oval. 
and there's water on either side. So if you go down far enough in the ground in the ancient Hebrew worldview, you would find water. But God has propped up the top of the dome on pillars. So if you went high enough, you'd also find water. So what this means is that God is carving out some space amid the chaos. God is making a safe haven for life, not just our lives, but for all life, for creativity. Again, I think this is a big story we can hold on to. We may be surrounded by the waters of chaos, the howling winds and the darkness, and God is going to carve out that space for us. And now, so, and then God gathers the waters, gathered to wa in one place, let the dry land appear, and then he has the seas and the vegetation and the plants and everything. Now, another interesting thing is the question, are humans the most important because we turn up at the end, or are we the least important? So in um, many indigenous worldviews, um, the most ancient life forms are the wisest. So the rocks, the water, fire. And then so here we've got the plants, fruit trees, vegetation, trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And it's interesting that they say um, with the seed in it because what, I mean, your farmers, your gardeners, what, do, what is a seed? It's life. It's the future. If you can't gather seed, I mean, in, in, um, if you can't, as a farmer, gather seed from your grain, you've got nothing for next year. It takes away the future. It takes away life. So God is not only giving fruit, God is giving seeds, seeds for life, seeds for humans to be provided for. God is not just saying, here's a, you know, here's a pomegranate for today. God is saying, here's a pomegranate chock full of seeds so that you can be looked after for the rest of your life. You know, it's like that proverb, teach a man to um, give a man a fish, he eats for a day, teach a man to fish, he eats for life. God is teaching us to fish by giving us plants, fruit with seeds in them. And then day four, God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. But hang on. There was light on the first day. So if there's light on day one, but there's no sun till day four, well, where'd light come from? Again, what a blessing from our origin story. God just, there is light everywhere. There's, I don't, there, I mean, there's such opportunity for metaphor here for for meaning where does the light come from i don't know god maybe it's just present in the universe you know we have these extraordinary stories now thanks to science about about energy and what we're made of so this very solid hand of mine if you break it down, it's tiny, tiny, tiny little particles that are just vibrating everywhere. Do they make light? They're always in motion. Is there some kind of light there? I don't know. 
But there's something in this story about how light is with life from the very beginning. Light is the first thing God creates and separates it from the darkness. So light is not dependent on the sun or the moon or the stars. Light is not dependent on this Christ candle that we light to remind ourselves. Light is not dependent on the lights we have in our homes. Light is interwoven into the fabric of the universe. Light is with us always, whether we can see it or not. I mean, that's a, that's a mind-blowing moment. I feel like I, we should just stop there, you know? But there's more, there's more. All right, day four, we've got the lights. Now, day five, we've got the waters bringing forth swarms of living creatures and birds flying above the earth across the dome of the sky. Remember, so the sky is, is a dome. It's like a canopy, a ceiling, keeping out the chaos. So God created the great sea creatures and every living, living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. The abundance here again. I think God's just having fun. You know, like, why stop at blue whales when I can create plankton? You know, why stop with eagles when I can create sparrows? And think of the enormous diversity of, of birds throughout our world, right? Like, there's these gorgeously colored macaws and parrots and hoopoes and exotic birds all around the world that we don't see. But we have, we have herons, we have Canada geese, we have these hummingbirds. I mean, you know, long before we invented helicopters, hummingbirds were hovering in the air. And they fly how far? Like, where do they go for winter? I don't even know. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, that's a creature the size of my hand. And it flies across continents. I think God just was having fun. I think God was delighting in creation. I think God was saying, oh, what can I do next? And just, and then, you know, you look at the birds and how they are, like their, how their feathers fit together. Fish, how their scales fit together. I mean, how many millions of dollars do humans invest in research to try and create a material that is as waterproof as a duck's back? What? Amazing, amazing. So I think this tells us something about the imagination and the wonder and the playfulness of our God. That God did everything from blue whales to hummingbirds. And then of course, we, oh yeah, and then we have the cattle and the creeping things and the wild animals of the earth of every kind. And then humankind. Now, God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. This is not about God looking like a human being. This is not about God saying, okay, I'm gonna make a mini me, you know, with a head just like me and, and shoulders just like me. Now the Bible does talk about God in human terms. Uh, we'll hear that next week with Genesis two, God walks in the garden, but, when God says, let us create humanity in our image, what's God, what God is talking about is patterned after God's longing, God's 
Everything we've just talked about, God's creativity, God's delight in wonder, God's playfulness, God's awareness and appreciation of beauty, God's valuing of diversity, God's wonder at the possibilities. That's what we're made in. Again, what a gift. What a gift. What a gift just to be able, just to have planted within us the desire for beauty, the desire for relationship, the desire for creativity. And when I say creativity, I don't want us to get bogged down in thinking, oh, well, I, you know, I can't paint. So, you know, I'm not artistic or, you know, I'm, 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 I don't, uh, I don't draw, I don't sing, you know, I, I'm not creative. Well, that's nonsense because Gardening is creative. Woodworking is creative. Problem solving is creative. Any farmer knows how to problem solve because when you're out in the middle of the field, there's no ghostbusters coming to your rescue. You know, who are you going to call? No one. Unless you really have to call the dealership because something's really broken. But this kind of ability to ask questions you know, the ability to think be and ask just even the existence of a creation story speaks to our ability to ask questions because it speaks to the fact that someone at some point said, who are we? Where do we come from? What are we here for? You know, there's lots of very intelligent life in the animal kingdom, but one of the things that sets humans apart is our question about why are we here? What's the point? Now that is a gift with a shadow side. It's a huge gift because it leads to enormous wonder in the world, asking questions, innovation, creativity. The shadow side is when it takes over. It's when it takes over and forgets this central goodness that runs through this story. It's a, it's a, it's a, when it runs our minds and we are constantly thinking about, am I doing enough? Am I being enough? Am I good enough? Am I creating enough? Did I work hard enough? Am I enough? When that hamster wheel is driving us, it is enormously painful. So this gift to which, uh, this gift that is entrusted unto us is meant to be on this foundation of faith this foundation of security in the knowledge of our goodness and the goodness of the world, the security in the knowledge of the presence of light, the security in the knowledge of God's blessing over all that has come first. So our questions are good and right, but when our questions lose touch with, with the visceral sense of who we are, what we were created for, and how much we are loved and desired, then the questions will be that monkey on our back. So when we ask our questions, let's hold on to this foundation of goodness, of relationality, of desire for relationship. And then when God says, fill the earth and master it, Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. That's a responsibility. It's a privilege and it's a responsibility. And I don't think God is saying, take whatever you want. 
because God has created everything before us and called it good. So everything that is created before us is good and beloved and desired in God's eyes and is given to us as gift. And we are required to use this, this questioning, this questing ability of ours, this seed of wonder and questioning and hankering and wondering, all of that for the good of our creation. God has entrusted to us God's good creation and asks us, we who are made in God's image, to keep seeing that goodness, to preserve it, to steward it, to love it, to tend it, to care for it. That is what we are here for. The goodness of creation, the goodness of relationship, the goodness of our children and our elders, the goodness of the soil, the goodness of the seas, the goodness of the air. That is what we are here for. And then God rests. And just before God does, I just want to point out one thing I noticed. God says to us, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. God doesn't say anything about eating other animals. Are we supposed to be vegetarian? <laughs> Like there is nothing in here about God created the cattle. <laughs> There's a dance happening on the screen. God is God created the cattle and all the creatures, and God never said you can eat them. <laughs> Does anyone here work a pound maker? <laughs> so I don't know what that means. I'm just gonna leave that with all of us. And then, beloveds, God rests. God rests. What a blessing again. At the, in the middle of all that, at the end of all this generativity, all this creativity, all this beauty, this wonder, this delight, God says, let's just sit down and enjoy this. Well, I mean, that's our creation story. It ends with rest with wonder, with beauty, with reveling and enjoying. <sighs> I guess we better do that. <laughs> so my friends, take this gift of a creation story. Take this creation story that is shot through with goodness, that is underlying on, that is, that is resting on light. Take this story of the goodness of the darkness. Take this story of the carving out of space within the chaos. Take this story of beauty and wonder and diversity. Take this story of blessing, of privilege, of gift, of responsibility, and take this story of rest.